praise and glory and honor. Thank you for your precious word. We love you. Open up our hearts to receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. I pray for the spirit of understanding. The Bible says, in all you're getting, get understanding. And that's our prayer. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, Amen, Amen. Wives, don't keep your husbands in bed on Saturday morning. Send them. Send them. We're raising up men. And, you know, I had a meeting with one of the sons in the house, Patrick. And um, he was the one. He says, he says Dad, don't, don't stop preaching, man. I said, my man. He says, can you just take your eyes off that clock at the back there? We need understanding. I said, don't try me. Don't, don't you tempt me with that one. Because we can go there. Amen. So I sent a whole list of scriptures for this morning's teaching. And then I realized how many there were. And I said to the guys, oops, I won't be using them all. So just keep them, just in case. Have a look at... I'm trying to wrap up the series in a way that will give a man some understanding. At least going through the Gospels and understanding the power of what it is to be in the kingdom of God. You've got a wide shot to make sure that we're covering all of these. And what you want to understand is how does this man get into what God has got for him? And how does he become all that God has created him to be? That he ends up receiving his inheritance for his family and for his home. So in the Gospels, we've been speaking of Ezekiel 1 and 10, lets you know that Ezekiel saw four faces, one of them being an eagle, a lion, a, a ox, and then the man. And these four faces is what every man should be looking at in his home. Every young girl should be looking for this in every man. Every girl aspires, aspires to see this. They, they want to see this face in their fathers. And every young boy, he doesn't even know what he's looking for yet. But inside of him is the ability to show all, th all four faces. Four is the number of completion. So let me show you how it works in the kingdom of God. And this scripture is going to make sense for you. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. Isaiah 40 verse 30. So what we've been teaching on is the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Every one of them represents John, of course, the Spirit. Ma Matthew, he teaches on the kingdom. Mark is, represents the ox, which is the work. Not your job, your work. The work you were called to do, born to do. The reason for your existence. It, it all exists in the work. Because if your vision only is for us for and no more, you are not in the kingdom. Because if your work stops when you die, you didn't fulfill your assignment. Because your assignment includes other people. And the power of your assignment is that when you are done, you hand over a blessing to your children. For a good man leaves an inheritance, what? For his children's children. So anytime you're involved in like, it's just for me and my children and, 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 and you're not in the kingdom. The kingdom work is the burden I carry to a generation. That I leave this place a better place. 
that I leave a mark on here that cannot be erased. I leave a foundation for my children to stand on. I'm not here to take from them. I'm here to build them up and create a foundation for them so that they can see further than I've ever seen and go further than I've ever, than I've ever been. And everybody said, it's your inheritance. Watch the scripture. You've read this over and over and over again. Today, it's gonna, you're going to get revelation. Read with me. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What's the first thing? They shall mount up with wings like eagles. That's the beginning. They shall run with the vision and not become weary. And at the end of their lives, they're going to do what? They will walk and not faint. So when you come into the kingdom of God, when you come into the kingdom of darkness, they teach you, you must crawl first, then you walk, then you run. No. This is the kingdom. What do you do? You're spending time in the presence of the Lord and you're renewing your strength. What's the first thing that God gives you? He gives you the ability to see. You're going to mount up with wings like an eagle to see the future and all that God has got for you. Then you begin to run in the territory that God has got for you. You begin to work in what God has got for you. So that at the end of your life, you begin to walk with God knowing you had finished and accomplished. And the Bible says, Enoch walked with God and he was no more. I'll, I'll preach it again. Because when you come into the kingdom of God, the first thing that God has got to give you when you get born again is vision. Old men will have dreams. That means God will revive your dream and young men must get vision. That's the first thing you must get after you get born again. The Holy Spirit's deposit in your life is to give you something to look at. My people, uh, where there's no vision, people perish. Where there's no redemptive reality, people re perish. Where you don't understand, this is your redemptive reality. It's in the Gospels. And anytime you don't have a vision for your life, you are, you know, obstacles and, and depression and fear is because you don't have vision. The only reason why someone's depressed is because they can't see a better tomorrow. I'm going to say it again. The only reason why I get depressed or get into a place of fear and so on is because I've lost, it's become blurry. And part of me in this church and my clarity about what God has called me to do is that I must make sure that you get the picture clear. Because nobody likes to watch a fuzzy TV. And nobody likes to follow a fuzzy leader. I am not confused. I know where we're going. I know what God called me to do. There's a clear picture for your life and for your destiny. There's a reason why God's got you here this morning. There's a reason for your existence. There's a reason why you were born again. There's a reason what, why you are gifted that way. There's a reason for your life. And everybody shouted, Amen in this church. So when you come in here, there's absolute clarity. There's no confusion about what we're building and why we're building it and doing things a certain way. Because we see first. You were designed that way by God, is that you see things first. You cannot enter into anything you've never seen. So when God is to speak to Abraham and there's Lot and let Lot comes in and creates strife, God stops speaking and Abraham is just fighting in his family. 
arguments before church, fighting. God doesn't speak to Abraham. Because strife is a blessing blocker, number one. And when, when, the, when the strife leaves, God says to Abraham, as far as your eye can see, I need to get over this. I need to move forward. The idea is that Habakkuk says, write the vision down, make it plain, that those who read it will run with it. So when God gives you vision, there's movement. The very essence of vision is movement. Is that, is that I get to move out of trouble. I get to move out of depression. I get to move away from people with low level thinking. Come on. I get to break from the ox, uh, from the donkeys because I am an ox and I'm going somewhere. You can't build the kingdom of God with people who still crave attention from the village. Village mentality people become a problem. You must develop your children in the kingdom of God because they need to think with kingdom understanding. They need to understand that there's a king within them. You need to train up your husbands. You need to pray for your sons. You need to not just give them vision. You've got to give them a belief system and say, now son, this is your territory. No, you can't marry that other girl outside of what we believe. Because if you marry somebody and you join yourself to that altar, your father-in-law is the devil. You need to protect your belief system. For husbands, you got to hear me. Wives, you got to hear me. You got to guard your belief system with everything. Because uh, uh, we, we, we behave what we believe. And some of you have been, you, you, you've been messed in your belief system by attending religious services faithfully. What's a candle got to do with your destiny? So you get a vision and you run. What are you trying to do? Not trying to do. What are you doing when God gives you vision? He gets you to run out of bondage. You run with vision. That's why I can't have people hang around me say, so apostle, so now I'll see you next week and the month after. I'm here every day and I'm running with the vision. Listen to me, there's a reason why God's keeping me young. The reason why God is keeping me strong is because there's a vision. There is a work. There is a race that I must run. There are victories to be won. Give me. Oh no, I'll see you next week. No, stay home. Don't come here. Don't come here. Don't irritate me. Because we know about the ox and the donkey. The Bible says you can't plow with the ox and the, and the donkey. Tell your neighbor, get off your donkey. Amen. Tell them to get off. You better get off your donkey. Because we're going somewhere. So I can't listen to people like, remember, you know, remember 13 years ago when that thing happened to me and 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 and. You, you come back every time when you have a problem. How about locking yourself in the vision? How about, how about saying, God, this is the day and I'm going to start to connect myself to kingdom and the vision because you want the will of God for your life. But you can't have the will of God because in the will of God is the work you were called to do. But you can't have the will of God until His kingdom come. Come and pray with me. Thy kingdom come Thy will be done.
Someone's getting it. So when you're coming to the kingdom of God, and you say yes to God, you begin to sow in that direction. You begin to connect with kingdom people. You come into what God has got for you. Now, God will go and put you into a vision. So many people looking for their own vision. And you listen, you say, give me your vision. And it's just a set of personal goals. That's not vision. When God gives vision, it's for the next generation. It blesses you so much that you can't, you, <laughs> the vision will outlive you. It's so big. I don't get it when people, you know, choke over a million rand. What are you going to do? When you come into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God sets a belief system and say, this is my belief and my territory. You must understand the kingdom. And then you come into your work. Now my gift makes sense. Now my life makes sense. And the work I've been called to, now it all makes sense. And all the money's here also. Ooh, a lot of unbelief in this house. God's going to help us. Because the only way I can get rid of the unbelief is through preaching. To flush it out of your system and begin to believe God. Because my testimonies, I've been sharing so much about it. But I'm trying to help somebody come into their work. And here's where we're going to. Please hear this in Deuteronomy 6 and 23. Oh, that clock needs to stop right now. Then he brought us out from there. I don't know where your there is. Wherever God had to come and fetch you and bring you out. You know, when I found the Lord, no, the Lord wasn't lost. You were lost. He came to find you and he brought you out that he might, might bring us in. Please say that with me this morning. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and do what? Give us the land which he swore to our fathers. To give us our inheritance. God didn't just save you for you to stay in your mess. And to stay in a, in a world system. He saved you because his kingdom system is superior to any world system. And the problem that we're having is that you've spent 12 years at school, if you never failed, maybe for me like 13, and then you go to university for another seven years, and they train you up all this time on the world system, count the number of hours you spent every day preparing for that thing. And then you come to church, maybe one, two, skip a few, 99, 100. You skip all of them, and you come to church for two hours. And I can't even sit and preach for an hour. And then you're like, you know, and the world has got you gripped. Because this is a whole university. This is a whole study all by itself. That you need to be trained and developed your children in. Because God wants to give you your inheritance. So, let's deal with the title of my sermon this morning. Is Unclaimed Inheritances. It's going to change this morning. But I'm speaking to somebody that doesn't understand the importance of your inheritance. Psalms 25 verse 12, please. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach. God teaches you in the way he chooses. So I said yes to God. My foundation is Christ. 
Now I said, God, I'm going your way. He gives me a vision. He then takes me through training on kingdom and he shows me the way. Everybody shout, show me the way. He says, him shall he teach in the way not you chooses. God chooses. Do you want to preach? No. But that's what I chooses for you. I say yeses to God. Now I get to come into my work because he chose it. This is what you've got to understand about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a theocracy. It's not a democracy. You don't get to vote. You don't decide, oh, you look like a real pastor. Let's ordain you as a pastor. No. The kingdom is a theocracy. One God, one rule, no vote. Aren't you glad? Because every government that you have democracy and to keep them in power, what, what must they do when they must manage the resources? They up the taxes. So now the interest rate must go up and petrol must go up because somebody up there is mismanaged. Did you know why the taxes in heaven has never changed? It's still 10%. You'll get it. Because there's no mismanagement in heaven. God, your Father in heaven, will not mismanage your life. He's not mismanaging resources. God is bringing order into your life. Everybody said amen. Oh my goodness. Oh Jesus, help us. So I've been doing some studies about just unclaimed stuff. And you know, I couldn't really get into inheritance because I don't think there's a real figure for that. Uh, that people can figure. But there's one thing that I went with. And I looked at, at UK pensions. 19 billion pounds lost in forgotten UK pensions. Forgotten. Let's deal with South Africa. South Africa has got 42 billion rand in unclaimed pensions. Just not even lands and inheritance. We can't even speak. Just pensions. So the Bible says my people perish for what? Lack of knowledge. And? No, there's three things. Hosea says that. My people have perished because of a lack of knowledge, forgotten knowledge, and rejected knowledge. Have you forgotten that there's an inheritance with your name? Oh, didn't you know it? Did you not know that there's an inheritance with your name on it for you and your family? I'm going to give you scripture to prove what I'm saying. So people are chasing money. They're chasing fame. Working for things that already belong to them. Paying for things that is already theirs. Where the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added. It includes an inheritance with your name on it. So when I get into the work and I understand the kingdom and I know that this is the vision God has got for me. And let me just say this for anybody looking for a vision. God, give me a vision. Give me a vision. The Bible is clear. Go and serve another man's vision. Then I'll give you your own. Because if you are unfaithful with another man's vision, how can I give you yours? You're not so into this vision. You're not a part of this vision. But I want my vision. I want You lie. You're, not gonna, you're never going to get it. I had to go and serve another man's vision. God would first give me a school to go and take care of another man's business before we give him my own land. Why? He trains you up on another man's land to get your own stuff. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. I'm still serving Dr. Winston. I'm serving another man's vision. Why? Because I, God's given me my own. You want your own vision? Serve another man's vision. That's in the Bible. If you're unfaithful with what is another man's, how can God give you your own? Serving. You don't know vision, you don't know kingdom, start serving. It's taking notes in church as well. Amen. So here's where we're going. Because money doesn't rule the world, thoughts and ideas do. 
So when God you come, come into the kingdom, God gives you a thought. God gives you an idea. He gives me a picture. I'm starting to see. I, I convert that thought into an image, into a picture because I'm dealing with the spirit. I'm dealing with God's presence. God gives me a vision. I begin to look at this thing and God says, I said, but God, how are we ever going to get there? Because I can't see the money. I can't see how we're going to function in this. And where's the biblical understanding? Well, here's your biblical understanding, son. I'm giving you a kingdom. Now go and study the kingdom of God. To you have been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Now I develop the kind of strength and a kind of understanding about the kingdom of God and with this in the of being the kingdom of God I then start the work we started the work on the 6th of March 2005 on my birthday God says now start that church after I fought him I now get into my work we're in a double garage what is the kingdom key over there is that God's gonna cause you to start where you are at I, I'm saying God where is the band where is the worship team where are the mics I don't know what I'm gonna do God says you want to start son I I said yes sir he said did I give you two hands I said yes you did he said did I give you a Bible I said yes I do have he says now clap your hands and preach the word and let's start the work and let's start to work the things of the kingdom of God and I'll show you what I will do with you do not despise the day of small beginnings I am telling you we are going somewhere this is the kingdom and the kingdom's not stopping for anybody we are moving forward you don't want it Go God's going to give it to someone else. God's going to bless someone else. You don't want to get into the kingdom. God will. Because when God gives you this thing. And your father gives you your inheritance and its money. You can spend all that money. Left to you. But when you get the idea from God, the idea will outlive you. It's called your inheritance. That I can pass down to my children's children. My work that they can stand on and express their gifts out in the world. Psalms 37 verse 18. Read with me. The Lord knows... The days of the upright and their inheritance shall be how long? You cannot outspend the kingdom. You cannot outgive in the kingdom. When you come into the kingdom of God and you start to sow into it and you're part of building things, putting a brick down, God takes that personally because it's got nothing to do with me and you. It does in a way with our children's children. Because you can't take those paving bricks with you to heaven. What are you going to do with all the things you bought? What have you done for the kingdom? What work have you done for the kingdom? Because this is the only thing that's going to count for eternity, not your job. No one's going to care that you drove a Mercedes. No one. No one's going to celebrate it in heaven. No one's going to celebrate what you wore this morning and how wonderful you look and the gold and the diamonds and the whatever, man. Whatever. What about the work? This is the only thing that Jesus is coming back to reward his people for. What you got involved in, what you sold, when you took your pension, when you took your money, when you gave off your, your, your very best and you sold it for the kingdom of God. That's the only thing that's going to count. It's his work. It's his kingdom. He's coming back for this. I don't have enough time to tell you. So let's get into this. I'm gonna, I want to I just lay this inheritance foundation quickly. And then we're going to start preaching, okay? Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. So God, Adam loses all of this. 
And God starts the process again with a man by the name of Abraham. So Isaiah lets you say, look to Abraham, your father, uh, and, and to Sarah who bore you. Let's start with Abraham because it's important for your understanding this morning. Because my big, my concern is that there are men that has got an inheritance with their name on it. And they don't know how to get there. And they think it's just church. Let me show you through scripture and prove it to you. That when you come into the kingdom of God, there is, God is, the God you're serving is so purposeful that even you sitting here this morning, God drew you by His Spirit to be here. Because you need to hear something. Now the Lord God said to Abraham, get out from your country, get out of your culture, get out of the demonic system. He was a moon worshiper, man. From your family and from your father's house to a land. That I will show you. I'm going to do what? I'm going to make your name great. I'll make you a great nation. Not a great person. A nation. That you belong to a family. And this nation was supposed to inherit all the land. And I'm going to make your name great. Greatness is not a worldly principle. It's a kingdom principle. When you start to serve, he says, I'll make you great. And you shall be a blessing. Anytime you can't share of your resources or pour it into the kingdom, you know you need to get saved. Then he says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families Everybody say all the families. Are you in the families? Are you the only one in the families here this morning? You still belong to our families. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. He says, I'm going to start something in you that anybody who attaches himself to the same system, their families will be blessed. Hmm, hmm, hmm. So he departs from there. So this system, the kingdom of God, it's a superior system. It's not like the kingdom you come from. And so, when you come into the kingdom, huh, Holy Ghost, help me. These people stepped over. So, here's Abraham. All the families are going to be blessed. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. One of them is Joseph. And you'll find the transfer of generational wealth and blessing and inheritance transferred from one generation to the next. Because you were not supposed to diminish. When God starts something in one family, they go from glory to glory. They go from strength to strength. You, you are not supposed to have winner few, loser few. You're not in the kingdom. You might see the bricks go up here one at a time and it seems like the progress is so slow and we've been here a while, but we've done a lot of things. And there's increase on this place, but we, not, we haven't lost the battle. Come on, somebody. And so, 
This boy Joseph is what we need to study. So, Abraham is got, a promise is made upon his life. Isaac is told, "Don't go to Egypt. Don't sow. Don't go in plant there. You sowed in that land and he reaped." He says, "Don't go out of the system." He told him. Then Jacob is born, and Jacob sees the church. He sees the ladder. Then he gives birth to his sons, and now this boy Joseph is is being used um, as seed in Egypt. God sends him there and takes him through a process. And when he dies in Egypt, God raises up Moses. Moses comes and fetches all of God's nation. They were not a people. He pulls them out of Egypt, takes them out to bring them in. Takes them out to bring them in. When they come to this place of their inheritance, God has raised up somebody else called Joshua. And Joshua is your promised land man. I am your Joshua. After the death, give me Joshua chapter 1. Let me show you this. And now please want you, I'm slowing down because I need to pay attention. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, and you and all this people, say that includes me, he says, to the land which I am giving them. He made a promise to Abraham. Abraham doesn't see the fullness of it. And now he's got these, this two million people coming out. And he's now preparing to be going to the promised land. But God has to cut off everybody 20 years and older because they, would, they walked in unbelief. They wouldn't go in and receive their inheritance. So he saves Joshua and, spirit, uh, and Caleb because they have a different spirit. And they raise up these young boys and teach them about their inheritance. So he says, next verse, verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness, now he's giving him instruction. What's he speaking to him about? Inheritance. He says, this is your inheritance. He says, for the, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. This is your inheritance. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was, as I was, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong. Come on, everybody. And of good courage. For to this people, Kingdom Life Embassy, I'm preaching to you this morning. The Lord said, I have a word for you. It is to this people. You shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. It wasn't even made to you. It was made to your fathers. Who's the fa father? Abraham. So possessing land and coming to your inheritance and doing what God has called you to do. That's part of your, your work in the earth, but it becomes also your inheritance that you receive from God. Not your job. Your work you were born to do. Now watch. I want you to note this. 
You go and study the book of Joshua. That was when they stepped into the promised land. Every discussion that they had was about whose inheritance is this? Whose land is this? Who does this belong to? Which is my portion? Here's the title of my sermon. Unclaimed inheritances. Please put up Numbers chapter 32 verse 60. Then they came near to him and said, so they're going across the Jordan and there's a certain tribe that is sitting in a certain place and saying, well, this portion's ours before they crossed over. But they got battles to fight on the other side. And they come to Moses and said, but this is our portion. He says, then he came near to them and said, we will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and our cities for our little ones because we found our inheritance. They started claiming their inheritance. They started putting their names down on certain places and saying, this belongs to me and my family. But we ourselves will be armed, ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place and our little ones will dwell in, in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until everyone, everybody shouts everyone, until every one of the children of Israel has received their inheritance. That means nobody comes and fights here and takes their peace and says, I got mine, I'm okay, I don't care about my neighbor. Uh-uh, I am here, my home is okay, and I'm going to be okay, but I'm standing here fighting because I'm saying, Lord, uh, there's an inheritance for the Prince Ru family. Come on, somebody, put your surname in there. Someone needs to understand the power that we, are, we can't go and lay down, we can't go and sit anywhere because there's an inheritance with your name on it. He says, for we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan, even though that's not ours. They're in the Jordan and beyond because our inheritance has fallen to us on this eastern side of the Jordan. He says, we've got ours. Then Moses said to them, if you do this thing, if you arm yourselves before the Lord for the war, this is a war. Next verse. And all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies before him. And the land is subdued before the Lord. Then afterward you may return and be blameless. That means we see yours. You got your contracts, you got your business. But you can't rest until everybody gets theirs. You can't come here with your little breakthrough and tell you that the kingdom is much bigger than your business, like the kingdom is much bigger than this church. There is something that God is talking about, the nations that you were supposed to step into and become what God has called you to be, but nobody gets to rest until everybody gets theirs. And he says, you may return to me blameless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord and be sure. Look at your neighbor and say, your sin will, will find you out. Have <laughs> you ever heard that one <laughs> from your mother when you're great? Your sin's going to find you out. What is the purpose of your inheritance? Everybody shout, come and read with me loud this morning. Build 
cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep and do what has been proceeded out of your mouth. That means we need to build some stuff because you can't take those buildings with you to heaven. But you're going to leave it for your little ones and for someone else to walk through this campus and say my life is going to change and never be the same again. We are building for your children. Is somebody with me this morning? And understand that there's something far greater going on here than your little business. Because God is a generational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's hop. That is the only conversations they had. Have a look at this one. Unclaimed inheritances. Joshua chapter 18 verse 1. Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Kingdom Life Embassy. Are you awake this morning? Stay with me. Shallow means place of rest and set up the tabernacle you here are you here this morning and the land was subdued before that means the neighbors that didn't want to serve God that were enemies God drove them out little by little and established a kingdom order and culture they didn't want to train our children. We build our own education systems on that land. Oh, oh, you don't want to give us business? We're going to start our own businesses. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, you fired us because we don't have the jab. We're going to have our own medical centers. We're going to take care of our own children. We're going to raise them up in the kingdom style because this is the work God has called us to do. I need this church to shout an amen and begin to believe that you are in the work that God has called for you to do and we're not backing down because we're not leaving this place until our children have walls that's around them and they have an education system that's not inferior, that they know who they they are they got a brand that can touch the globe they can go where God has called them to go and they'll owe no man a thank you we're not bowing to a worldly system I don't know what you're busy with but this is kingdom work so we're standing they come to church and and the land is subdued but Joshua's standing there and he's saying Watch, but there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes, seven families, which have not yet received their inheritance, unclaimed inheritances. Do you understand that God never just saved you to hang by your thumbs until Jesus comes? Do you understand that there's an inheritance with your name on it? Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God your fathers has given you? Well, how, how are you going to hang out so long here and wait and wait and wait? When are you going to put and say, like, Can we fill in the application form? Can we at least sign up and say, This is Kingdom Life Embassy is my home. Because my only assignment for you is to bring you into what God has got for you. You become what God has called you to be and you come into what God has got for you. Pick out from among you three men for, for each tribe and I will send them because my job is to divide the inheritance amongst everybody. And they, they shall rise and go through the land, survey it according to the inheritance and come back to me. You look at the land and you say, I'm called into agriculture. You look at the land and you say, I'm called into IT. You look at the land, you, you, you're called into health. 
you, you call into education, whatever business, there is a land and a portion for you. And your name is, God will help us with unclaimed inheritances. There's no shout from the men, I'm going to help the woman. Because Women's Month is on its way. Give you one scripture. Numbers 27 verse 4 to 6. The only discussion you're having in the kingdom of God is where's mine? That's it. So they're going in and these five daughters, they start coming to, to, to Moses and say, listen, our fathers died in the wilderness before we could enter into the promised land. But my father never sinned with everybody else. And he's got the right to have his portion in that land. Why should the name of our father be removed from among his family because he had no son? There's no sons, only five girls. He says, give us our, our possession among our father's brothers. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. And what does God say about your inheritance, woman? The next verse. The daughters of Zelophehad speak what is right, God said. The daughters are speaking right. You got no husband, you got no son, but I am telling you that there is an inheritance with your name on it. Every woman is going to give a good shout in this place and say there is an inheritance with my name on it. I don't have a father, I don't have a brother, but I'm here, Moses. I'm letting you know I also belong to the kingdom of God. Everybody shouted an amen. Because God said, Give it to them. It says, among their father's brothers and cause the inheritance of their father to pass them. Give them their possession. I wish I could just tell this over and over again to you. It's like, you never came here looking for a job. I mean, in a season when you must get some manner and a job and some money and, and, and budget, I get it. But there is much more to you. There is much more that belongs to you. So, the only question you have this morning, so here's my son. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Because the question is, how do I get mine? How? How? You're asking a good question. Read with me. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. So even though there's an inheritance with your name on it, God, your father in heaven is not irresponsible. Because juveniles can't handle inheritances. Because they'll just go and buy another GTI and some new tackies and a PlayStation. Ah, I'm seeing some wives are going to walk in and throw that PlayStation away. I'm telling you. Take that thing out of <laughs> When I Have you at least asked about your inheritance? That should be a question here. What is it that I was born to do because I get to receive what God has got for me in my work? God will keep it 
and will not release it. I tell you for certain people, I can see it coming. I can see what belongs to them. The Lord showed me certain stuff and He tells me you can't say a word to them until they grow up. Because this is only for the matured. And when I say matured, I'm not talking age. I'm finding people that are 55 and it's not stupid. I'm talking about 19-year-olds that went in and possessed their stuff. There were only 19 and under that went in. But Joshua could circumcise them and deal with their lives and say, that attitude, that mindset, the way you're thinking, it's not going to help you when you get there. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't correct me. Do you have the pastor shouted at me this morning? I'm not going back to that church. What kind of a son would you be if you don't, can't get correction? Whom the Lord loves, He corrects. I want God to correct me because if no one else is going in to get their stuff, I'm coming in with my family. I'm coming in with my, my children's children and every son that wants to possess their inheritance. We're going to come in and build the stuff the way God told us to build it. Come on, somebody. Please write this out. The punishment for refusing to grow up is a lifetime of bondage. This is freedom. This is God's system. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the freedom because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is there's freedom. So juveniles can never inherit, have inheritance conversations. You don't speak to them. You wait until you're 21, then we can speak about this. That's just in the natural. How much more in the Spirit? So you can be 60 and not receive anything because you refuse to grow up. So Proverbs chapter 20 verse 21 says, An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. So you must mature into this thing. That's what God is saying. It belongs to you, but God will only, only hand it over to you when you mature and you grow up. So the earth is waiting for the sons. Hallelujah. So, the interesting thing, maybe we'll just have to ship that for Wednesday night. There's so much to teach. Manual's happening here. There's, when, when you study the book of uh, the, the New Testament, um, the Old Testament, why are we studying Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then his son Joseph? Joseph becomes really important because the Old Testament is the new concealed. The New Testament is the old revealed. So God will lock up stuff in the Old Testament, and when you study those people, you'll start to find out that God was concealing some stuff. But when I come into the Gospels, God reveals it. And when I look back at the Old Testament, I begin to see this is what God intended. So if you look at this one person in the Old Testament, that is the type of Jesus. His name is Joseph. That is Jacob's son. There are over a hundred fascinating and powerful parallels between Joseph and Jesus. Let me give you ten quickly. He was loved by his father. They both were. Hated by his own, they both were. Left his father's side, they both did. Both carried a dream. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. It's the vision. Five, both saved humanity from disaster. Joseph went with a dream. He saw this dream, saw into the future, and then God sent him into his work. Six, both were developed and trained before stepping into ministry. He was in Pharaoh's house. Jesus was working and he was serving. They listened to this one in number seven. Both started their ministry at the age of 30. 
Number eight, both were sold for money. Number nine, both were unrecognizable after they'd come through the process with God. He was in the garden and he said, Mary, it's me. When Joseph came out and showed his brothers who he was, they didn't recognize him. He had to unveil himself. Because when you get into the kingdom of God and God processes you through his system, you come out looking different. You're not like the world anymore. Even your brothers will not recognize you. People can't believe that this man that couldn't speak at school and lost in every debate and wouldn't open up his mouth, that God would do something through a man like this. That God will take a man and put a vision on the inside of him and train him up on the kingdom of God and put him into his work. And now here, God is, I'm sitting around boardroom table and I'm serving come on somebody do you understand what I'm saying that if you allow God to take you through the process you're gonna receive your inheritance and you will not waste it number 10 both reconciled the family when Joseph came out he says go and fetch my father when Jesus was done he says it's better that I go to my father and all the family was restored there's 10 of them that I'm giving you but let's quickly understand Joseph and I'm gonna, if you can give me 10 minutes, we're going to wrap it up, all right? And so Joseph has this dream. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's son, Joseph, puts the coat of favor on him. He has a dream. And he sees this thing. It's Genesis 37, verse 1. You guys have to work with me. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. Young man, don't you despise the dream and the vision. Young lady, the dreams and the visions God's putting inside of your heart is for the future. He was feeding the flock with his brothers and the land. The lad was with the sons of Bila and the sons and brought a bad, uh, 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 bad report to his father. Oh God, help me this morning. Holy Ghost. This is the history of Jacob that was his sons. Verse next verse. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. Don't you ignore the dreams that God is giving you. And he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. And he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. Then there was, there they were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? I hear, we listen to your dream. But who do you think you are? Because there's always drama around a dreamer. Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? Because when God gives you a dream, what's it? they're telling you, giving you hints for a dream. What's the dream for? It's for dominion. It's so that you step into that dream and you carry the dream for the kingdom of God. What's God's intention? That He takes you to the top. So they hated Him even more for His dreams and for His words. The only reason why the devil would fight a dreamer is because he knows it's the only way you can deliver people. It's the only way you can come out of trouble. Why is South Africa in such trouble? Let one leader show me the vision for this nation. The rainbow nation. It's not a vision. It's some ridiculous slogan. 
You can't build a nation based on stuff like that. Give me the vision for this nation. Tell me what we're going to do. Show me what you see for this nation. The only thing they see is the next vote. Tell me for our children, what are you going to do? So much unemployment. What are you going to do? And I must follow you. How ridiculous is that? Every time the rules change based upon how you feel and which way you want to take money and, 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 and squander it. What are you going to do? And the problem is not to the government because they do not. The Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. The man showed you down, down in, in, in Beaufort what he can do in a hundred days for people. A man with vision. Come on, you're going to clap your hands and celebrate. I'm not a, a politician, but I can see leadership. I can see somebody with vision. I can see when he puts himself to work and people rejoice and people's lives are changed and people's lives are better because a man has got a dream that comes from heaven. Now shout and thank the Lord for that this morning because you're seeing leadership, you're seeing a dream, you're seeing vision. And where there's no vision, people perish. So he has this dream and he puts us before his brothers and they want to kill him. The interesting thing about it is that he dreams another dream. Then he dreams after they fought him. May you dream another dream this morning. And I told his brother and said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon and the 11 stars bow down to me. <laughs> you are 11 brothers. And so the brothers envied him. Uh, please go back one. The 11 stars bow down to me. Verse 10 says. Next verse now. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? Because you move from dream to dominion. And Joseph as a 17-year-old is seeing it. This is the reason why God brings you to church, man. This is the reason why you're here. Because the Holy Spirit is here to deliver the dream and the vision in your heart. And you keep ignoring Him. And here's what they... When he, start, he gives them the dream because people in their strength, the misunderstanding about this thing. Are you listening to what he's saying? He says, I'm carrying a vision. This is what God has called me to do. But when I look up into the second dream, I'm seeing the stars and they're bowing. And they missed it because of their envy and their jealousy. People are missing it when you carry something for a generation. Who were the stars in the dream? The brothers. Don't miss it. In every vision that God gives a, a God-fearing man, you are the star in God's dream and in God's vision. It's for you and your family, your inheritance, your future, your children, your husband, your, your destiny. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Why would you get envious of a man? Because you see, when God takes a man and puts him into the vision, I don't have time, my time's running out. The first thing they do is they get mad at him, they throw him in a pit and they pretend like they've killed him. They, 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 kill, they want to kill him. They say, don't, don't kill him. Just throw him into the pit. They kill an animal. They put it full of blood. They go to the father and say, Joseph is dead. So Joseph, they throw him in the pit. And so the one brother says, look, um, here the Ishmaelites coming. And so now let's take him out of the pit. And some of you don't understand the power of a dream. 
when God brings you into your work, the dream goes through a process to get you there. And you must allow God to process you in His system. The first thing that a dream goes through is the pit. Like a seed, it must be buried. You want to put out a business card? Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it stands alone. So God takes you, listen, it's not, here's the dream, the dream's in the, in the vision, in, in the pit. No, you're in the pit. Because you're then carrying the dream. How can you separate the mother and her baby that's in a womb? If she's in the pit, the baby's in the pit. So you're carrying a vision. So if the vision's in the pit, so are you. Oh, you're not going to listen to me this morning. <laughs> because God has to bury you. You want to take a business card and start a YouTube channel? God is processing you first. Because this is the order with God. When God gives you a vision, get ready. If number one, it's going to be movement. But number no, the first thing is that God is going to bury you. He's going to hide you. I'm so glad we made so many mistakes in that double garage. That now that we're live streaming across the globe, we don't look like fools. Hidden is a good thing with God Come on somebody When God hides you It's a good thing Because God's trying to process you In His kingdom You, you, you want this big thing But God says I want to keep you small for now Yes, the other thing about it is that They get up from there And they say Okay, you're some Ishmaelites Sell him as a slave And let him go into Egypt So he has the dream The dream throws him into the pit He gets into this This atmosphere of depression And I don't know what's happening in my life And 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 the next minute when the Ishmaelites come, they sell him. I mean, they think they're doing the, you know, you know they're trying to hide Joseph and, and, and tell the father and lie to him about it. But in the meantime, they were doing Joseph a favor. Because they gave him free transport to his destiny. Because all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to their purpose. You can't destroy the man with his vision if he stays in faith and stays with God. Because what was God doing? God's going to move you from the vision that you have into the territory that you must be trained in. It's God's process. Let's move. Because the vision must go through a process. But stop believing that the vision's there and I don't have to change. You're then the, the, the vision carrier. You then the one that God is speaking to. So the vision must go through a process. And so they take him out of this and they, they sell him. And, and some of you don't understand why people sold you out. Because you took bigger fish for the pond you were in. Come on somebody, don't be so shallow man. You, you, you know, a shallow pit is what they threw Joseph in. It's like just a little thing that, it's like it's shallow people. You hang out with shallow people. You're crying about who offended you and who did, wasn't there for you and you're getting mad. In the meantime, God is dealing with you. He's pulling you by Himself. He's saying, don't worry about what they think and say about you. I got a plan for you. It's in my vision. It's in what I have for you. Let them reject you. Let them throw you out. Let them throw you in the picture. But the vision inside of you will always rise up. And even though I look like I go and I'm leaving as a slave, I've been transported into my destiny. Uh, uh. Let's quickly get into the work just for a few minutes and then we're going to end. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. So he's now sold, right? 
Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard and an Egyptian, bought, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. Anytime you said yes to the will of God and ca captured the dream and started serving, God is with you. And there is nothing worse than you fighting a man that God is with. You will always lose. Always. And he was a successful man. What made Joseph successful? God. The fact that God is with you, that's what makes you successful. In your work, this is what makes you a man successful. How do you define success? Everybody's trying to find out if, if I drive a Mercedes. One guy came and said, after I've driven this car, no, I, I, I've lived. I, I got a Mercedes. I'm like, is that it? What makes you a successful man? That when you go, go and drive wherever you drive, that God is with you. I'm going to keep on preaching it. What makes a man successful? I'm asking the question. If the thing that you're busy with and God's not in it, you are a failure. I don't, know how much, I don't care how much money you make. If God's not in it, you are a failure. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Watch now. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made him, made all he, he did prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. He's in his work. He's been trained up in his work. Then he made him an overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of the house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. When a man is in the vision, when the man is serving the kingdom, when the man is a part of a kingdom work, the people that are around him, everybody around you gets blessed. What? What is the company you're working for? Rawson. They bless because you're there, honey. The blessing is on you. You'll find increase and flow. Why? Because when the blessing is on you, the company around you must increase. The company is only surviving because you are there. Everybody shout amen. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left, this is important now for every man, I've got to wrap it up. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance like Apostle Max. Ah, oh, smile man, come on, come on. Two tests every man must pass. Take note. You want to come in? Two tests. Two, you must pass. Number one, he said he left everything in Joseph's hand. He didn't even know. He trusted Joseph so much because Joseph had good management. Two tests you must pass. One is money and two is morality. Watch the scriptures. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and he said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has into my hand. So he trusts me. There's no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against my boss? 
Your boss is not there, but God is watching. And sin against God. When God sends you on assignment, you're not allowed to take a pen from work that's not yours. You're not allowed to touch anything that's not yours. Because there are two tests every man must pass. One is money and two is morality. You want to come into what God has got for you? You've got to learn how to say no and manage your money well. And whatever they ask you to do, do it with all of your might. Don't come back with excuses. Don't come back here saying apologizing and 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 you can't give it a proper account for what I, I put in your hands. How are you going to come into what God has got for you? Without understanding the power of good management and this is not mine. Thou shalt not steal. What part don't you understand about that? And you keep opening up that television and you keep opening up that programs and you, you keep watching with your eyes. It's very quiet in this church this morning. But I am telling every single man in this place, you cannot come into what God has got for you until God can grab a hold of your money and grab a hold of your heart and say that money is not yours. So that, put that in place, sort this out, fix your money, bring order. It's called the kingdom of God. And whenever you're going, next week you might even teach the men on a Saturday three things that you'll always be tested with. The girls, the gold, and the glory. You don't touch God's glory. You learn how to make sure that money doesn't overtake you. God don't mind you having money, but let money not have you. Because it's not, it's not, it's not money is the root of all evil. Go and read the scripture, man. It's not money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. God don't mind you having money. The problem is that the money's got you. And you can't depart with it. The girls, the gold, and the glory. If you don't, if you can't handle those three things, you can't come in here. You can't come and go and receive your inheritance. Let me give it to someone else. My time is up. Hmm. Jesus. Okay. He goes from the pit with a dream. He goes and serves in the palace. Then he gets thrown into prison. And then he's promoted back into the palace and becomes what God has called him to be. Your inheritance. And I need to go through all of this. Here's another test. Joseph it's been now 13 years and Joseph is coming to the end of his testing period he's got a dream as a 17 year old and 30 years old he's going to appear before Pharaoh because he gets thrown into prison and in the prison he finds two people and they both have a dream the one is a butler the other one's a baker and he tells the baker According to your dream, three days, your head's coming off. He tells the butler, in three days, you've been thrown into prison, but you can be restored in three days. It happened that way. 
Yes, some kingdom keys. The people that are in the kingdom of God, that are baking their own thing for themselves, will be removed. The butlers, the ones that are serving in the kingdom of God and working and serving in the house of God, they will be saved. That's kingdom revelation right there. Here's, the, here's, the, here's another one. Joseph interprets their dreams and tells them, listen, when you get out, don't forget me. Don't you forget me. Because I'm in here. It's been now two years in prison and nothing's happening for me. But Joseph is still serving. The Bible says even in prison, Joseph became top because of the way he served his gift. They forget about him. That's a test. I can't tell you as a pastor how many times people have come in here in seasons absolutely broke, on drugs, messed up, don't know who they are, don't have marriages, don't have wives, don't have children, sick, cancer on their bodies, can't have babies, standing and interceding for them. I can tell you story after story after story. Paid for rentals, paid, gave cars, gave holidays, paid, God told me, pay their rent for the next six months. Can't tell you the amount of things we did in my personal home to help people. Took my gift of interpreting dreams and strategies and the anointing of God upon my life and helped people get out of their prison. And when they left, they forgot me. Never came back even with a thank you. Left the church, not even a thank you note. It's a sad day when you're raising a generation like that. But the test was not theirs. The test is mine. Because you see, you need to learn how to the people, the, the, the people that prayed with you in the drought deserve to dance with you in the rain. You can at least get up and stand and say, Lord, I thank you for all that you've done because our prayer and intercession is for you and your family. Bring the worship team up. You need to understand that you cannot live that way if you don't come back and say thank you for what you've done. I didn't know who I was, but you prayed for me in my drought seasons. When I was in prison, I can tell you today, here's what you need to understand. When you see things like that happen in your life, God is working, God's working on Joseph. Let me put it up. God's working on Joseph's character so Joseph can handle his inheritance. When Joseph comes out with his dream and he exposes himself to his brothers and says, I'm your brother, he says, when they became fearful, he says, I forgive you, man. Because God sent me ahead of time to preserve life. He let them go. That man that comes out there is not bitter over his past. He's not offended because of what people have done and said. He stays in the work that God has got for him. And he comes out different. He comes out forgiving, loving, and he saves the nation.
May the Lord give you wisdom. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 11. Put it up quickly. Please read it. Wisdom is good with an inheritance. May the Lord give us wisdom this morning. I'm hopping and jumping past all these notes. So I can just give you the final and the end of the sermon. Psalms 68 verse 9. You, O God, sent a plentiful rain. This is over your people. Whereby you confirmed your inheritance. We're in that season. When it was weary. Psalms 16 verse 5 and 6. You should take out scriptures for today. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. Read with me. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. New Living Translation, same verse. If you got it up there, let's go. Lord, you alone, the Lord, the land you've given me, go back one verse, verse five. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Oh Lord, you are the portion of the New Living Translation. Can we try again? There we go. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. May the Lord show you what is yours. May you understand that there is a line that has been laid and your family's inheritance is on there. You're not sitting here by accident. You're not standing here by accident. You are here because you know there's something that belongs to you and your family that God has got for you and your children's children. The boundary lines of the land have fallen to me in pleasant places. God's not going to give you something you don't want to work in. Meaning it's not a disconnect between your skills, your gift, your personality, and your desire. Every desire you have in your heart, it's fulfilled in here. I'm not talking the stuff that the devil throws in there and stirs your flesh. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the deep inner recesses, your prayer, the difference you want to make, the life you want to live, the stuff that your children will be proud of. It's found in the work that you've, it's called the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. I have a good heritage. Here's your prayer. And here's what I want to say to just anybody concerning your inheritance. If the dream in your heart doesn't bring your family together, that's not of God. Because when God saved me, He had my daughter and my son in mind. He had a husband in mind. He had Stacy in mind. He had my grandchildren in mind. He brings everybody together because when Jesus came back to the Father, it was a time of reconciliation. If your vision doesn't reconcile your family, it's not of God. You could be in your job that you can't even see your children over weekends and you can't be with your children. You need to understand that that job is not your work. Your job is what they pay you to do. Your work is what you were born to do. I know of somebody that went and spent all their lives and worked overseas to build family and, 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 and sent money every, I mean like years away from this family. 
And waiting for a big pension payout. When COVID hit, lost everything they sent him home and said, you're too old. Came back, missed the growing with all the children for all those years. Grandchildren. And now he's having to go and work little odd jobs. Past retirement. Because he looked for a job and not for his work. If your work doesn't bring your family together, you've got to reconsider. Whatever you're busy with. If it doesn't reconcile a family, you've got to look at it. Here's my prayer for you this morning. Give me Psalms 2 verse 8. We have to end. Everybody, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Meaning, fill in the application form. How do you do that? You pray and you ask. What's mine? What belongs to me and my family? Why am I here? What is my gift and my desire? What is this thing, the difference I'm supposed to make for the kingdom of God? When God gives you a campus like this and you see all the buildings go up and we, we build, build, doing some things, it's your moment to sow into that kingdom work so God can give you your own. Because everything about this kingdom is for someone else. What I'm building, or what I'm carrying for God, He's building the house and watching over it. Whatever I'm doing for God is not ultimately for me. That every child that walks onto this campus, every, every parent that comes in here, somebody doesn't know who they are. It's more than feeding them. It's teaching them who they are. So that people don't die with dignity. You don't bury somebody. With, they must live with dignity. It's called the kingdom of God. Let's ask the Lord. Come on, everybody, just close your eyes, lift your hands. We're asking God this morning. Father, I come before you this morning and I'm asking. My assignment is to divide the inheritance and to show every son and every daughter what their gift is. By the grace that is upon my life and the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would begin to speak to every man, every boy, every girl, every woman, and begin to stir their hearts concerning the dream, the work, the territory, their inheritance. That they begin to hear your voice and hear the voice behind my voice. Father, I pray that we would break out of the selfishness, the self-centeredness. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and we are here, my God. Fulfilling a kingdom mandate. We are here in our assignment, God, and I'm here standing as your servant and say, Father, put a fresh anointing upon my life. Help us to accurately discern every gift, every family, every inheritance, every portion that belongs to your sons and daughters. I'm asking that heaven will come right now, Spirit of the living God, that you'll rest on every heart and every mind, that you'll break every fear, the spirit of unbelief and doubt, break it from their lives that we can walk into all that you have for us I know that the enemy would try to stop us from coming in but I know God that you have a plan for every one of us 
And I'm asking in the mighty name of Jesus that you destroy the work of wickedness around us. This morning, I don't know what wall is around you, what lies you've accepted. But Joshua walked around that wall seven times and on the seventh day, seven times. Seven times seven is 49. It's the number of Jubilee. It is the place of debt-free living. It's the place where things are restored to their rightful owners. I'm calling you into a season of Jubilee, says the Lord. The Lord says there is an inheritance with your name on it. And I'm decreeing and declaring that those walls are coming down this morning in the name of Jesus. That you'll, those walls will fall and that you will see things the way they ought to be. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the overthrow of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to bring to the obedience of Christ. I pray this morning that the walls of unbelief will fall right now from your life in the name of Jesus the walls of fear will fall right now in the name of Jesus that you be coming into all that God has got for you that you become all that God has created you to be everybody shouted amen in this church come on let those walls come down give a bigger shout come on give a bigger shout come on shout let those walls come down this morning so you can see it the way God sees it. That you can become what God has called you to be. This is not for Pastor Max. This is for all the families of the earth that should be blessed. I have a grace upon me. This is what God trained me. This is what he took me out of hollard for. And writing code. To understand the code of the Bible. And how things work here. So I can present you and say, this is yours. Pat, this is yours. This is what God called you to do. You're not chasing fame and money. We're going after the kingdom of God. My time is gone. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for anybody that doesn't know you, they'll get to know you and that they'll make a decision for you. That they'll give their heart to you. That they'll come into their inheritance. It's my prayer. In Jesus' name. Please be seated just for a minute. Let's receive an offering. Please consider this kingdom work. Please consider what we're doing. It's not Apostle Max. Don't, don't get envious. I'm carrying a dream. It's not me. I can't take a building with me to heaven. I can't take paving bricks. I can't, I, I, can't, I can't take any of this stuff. My only desire is to make sure that a generation understands that this is why we have the studios. We're busy building what we're doing and the campus so someone can train and develop in it. Please don't let the enemy lie to you and hold you back from your giving and being a part of what we're doing. Just one testimony. I decided to go after the work and say we're not going to rent in a schoolyard anymore. We're going to own some land and we're going to go after God. And God asked me the questions, are you willing to pay the price? I said, of course. So he said, well, give me your house. And we did. And as we were on here, we needed another million rand at least to 
prepare everything. And a pension that is due to me that I worked for the company for 30 years before. As my inheritance. Are you Mr. Holland? Yes, I am. Please confirm. And they, they sent the money. 800 and something thousand. Here's what I'm trying to show you. God will make sure that the enemy coughs up everything that belongs to you when you get into your work. And God used all of that money as an investment from my personal house for the city so that we can build something for a generation. Because think about it. If I wasn't saved and I got that money, what would I have done with it? Another car. We made many sacrifices. But the kingdom is first. Don't get mad at me when people pay for my free transport across the globe. Because we now work. Because when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Take the kingdom seriously. Take the vision seriously. Take what you see. Take it seriously. Take your money, your time. If God can't rearrange your finances, He can't rearrange your life. If God can't speak to you about finances, there's a real connection between me managing my money and actually managing my morality, meaning that I run away from things. Because every, every week when God speaks about my money, if He can touch my money, He can speak about anything else. I pray that you'll get involved in this kingdom project. Our next step is maybe going to need another half a million to get some things up and some things moving forward. And it's there. It's for your children's children, man. We've got our own. We sow our own. But for you and your family, that you would give and get involved. Because the inheritance, I can't rest until you get yours. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every son and every daughter. I pray for every heart in this place that you would stir their hearts to give. No manipulation, no manipulation. Spirit of the living God, if you've not placed it in their hearts, Father, we can't do any coercing. But I pray that you put it on their hearts what to sow and bless them in their giving. This is your kingdom. Let it come. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen.